Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities, the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Paul Larkin. He's the Senior Legal Research Fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. Paul works on criminal justice policy, drug policy, regulatory policy at the Heritage Foundation. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. Today, we're going to talk about a really important topic that we were kind of talking about off air that just doesn't get as much um, talk and, and publicity as it should. And it really is the the epidemic of fentanyl and the overdoses that are taking place. I know uh, your foundation recently put out an art, put out several, but the last one I saw was America Must Address It. It's other epidemic, fentanyl overdoses. I know that you moderated a panel discussion within the last week, uh, the fentanyl crisis, the Mexican and Texas connection. Um, You guys are doing a lot to make people aware of it, I think. But maybe just to get started, can you describe what is fentanyl and kind of what impact is it having on on our population? I'm glad to. And I want to thank you for devoting this time so that you and I can help educate the public about this serious problem. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. By that, what I mean is this. Morphine and heroin are products of the poppy plant. The poppy plant has to be grown, and then the poppies are processed into the opiates that I just mentioned. Fentanyl is manufactured entirely in a lab. Now, that Uh, creates several problems for everyone in the United States. One is, of course, that because it can be be manufactured in the lab rather than in a field, there are innumerable places where people can set up fentanyl labs to create this. Secondly, because it's manufactured in the lab, you can have various derivatives of it. Fentanyl has an entirely legitimate use as a painkiller. And it is used often for people who have uh, undergone surgery or who are in the end stages of a fatal disease like cancer. There are various derivatives of fentanyl, such as carfentanyl, which is, believe it or not, an elephant tranquilizer. The basic painkiller is morphine, and that is is the baseline for measuring the strength of all others. Heroin is three times as powerful as morphine. Fentanyl is 50 to 100 times as powerful as morphine, and carfentanyl is 30 times, excuse me, 30,000 times as powerful as morphine. The result is an extraordinarily small amount of fentanyl and even far less of carfentanyl can prove fatal. So fentanyl is a problem not simply because it can be manufactured in places where poppies can't be grown. It's a problem because its tremendous effect can wind up being fatal if it's abused. And by abused, I mean used without a doctor's supervision. Well, and we see that, right? I mean, we can see just, I think it was within the last week or so, we had how many uh, West Point cadets went into cardiac arrest at spring break in Florida. Uh, I know in Denver, there was an apartment full of adults that died. The only person left alive was a small child. 
Um, so we see the devastating effects and these, and this fentanyl, from what I understand, you know, is mixed with cocaine and other drugs. And sometimes people don't even know it's in there, right? Absolutely. Keep in mind that, you know, fentanyl is a powder and that powder can be added to the other drugs you mentioned. It can be added to cocaine, it can be added to heroin, or that powder can be pressed into a pill form and made to look like entirely legitimate drugs. So in years past, people, if they abused drugs, that is used various types of drugs without medical supervision, were always at risk of death uh, because uh, whether you took speed or downs or heroin, there was always a risk that whatever you took could kill you. But the risk is far, far greater now. I mean, police officers and other first responders will find that uh, someone has died from a fentanyl overdose and still have the hypodermic in his, his or her arm. Uh, people who think that they are buying cocaine are in fact buying either uh, pure fentanyl or perhaps fentanyl uh, poisoned cocaine. Why? Because it's not manufactured under the same conditions that pharmaceutical companies manufacture antibiotics, antifungals, antiviral drugs. They're manufactured in labs and, you know, the people who do it can get sloppy, even if they're not trying to add fentanyl to it. But sometimes they want to add fentanyl to it to give their drug an extra kick in the hope that people will use it. After all, an irony is that the ability to use Narcan to offset opiate overdose overdoses uh, has the effect for some people of giving them an off-ramp so that they feel it doesn't matter what's in the drug I take because somebody will give me Narcan and I'll survive. That's a terrible mistake to make. That is at the far end of the dumb scale. But there are people <laughs> that believe that. Yeah. I mean, there are problems with drugs, but fentanyl clearly can kill and will kill a very large number of people if we don't do something about it. Well, you know, I've seen stats that, you know, two milligram dose can be fatal, that one kilogram can kill up to 500,000 people. I've seen there's been as much fentanyl smuggled over the border to kill every American seven times. I mean, I think it's even the isn't it the leading cause of death for people 18 to 25 or, or 18 to 45 in terms of overdose? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, it has overtaken uh, automobile accidents, suicides, uh, and all the other fatalities that we normally hear about. Fentanyl has killed hundreds of thousands of people. It killed a more than 100,000 just between April of 2020 and April of 2021, and it hasn't stopped since then. If you take a look at the statistics that are put out by uh, the Border Patrol and Customs and Border Protection, you will see that they have seized an increasing amount of fentanyl over the last few years. Now, granted, this is not a scientific way of figuring out how much fentanyl is coming into the United States, but right. this, is, this is the evidence we have. And the evidence is that it's increasing. The Mexican cartels are flooding the United States with fentanyl. And the Biden administration, sad to say, isn't doing anything to stop it. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, right, most most fentanyl comes from Mexico and surprise to everyone. Right. A lot of the chemicals that are used for this come from China. 
That's right. Uh, China has an enormous chemical industry. Some of those chemicals are used for legitimate pharmaceuticals, which fentanyl, as I said, can be. And some are desi- uh, of the chemicals are used just to manufacture drugs. China doesn't have the ability, even if it wanted to, to completely police the chemical industry, which is an enormous part of their economy. I personally also doubt whether China wants to police this industry. After all, yeah. China considers itself a competitor of the United States. And I think it was Napoleon that once said, when your enemy is defeating himself, leave him alone, get out of his way. All you can do is foul things up. Um, and, and that's probably what they're doing. I mean, somewhere in the neighborhood of, say, one in every five Americans either has or does use illegal drugs. And the result is we are seeing an enormous number of people in our own population do the work of the Chinese for us. I mean, what we have is a situation where people are dying or becoming addicted or physically dependent on these drugs, and it is hurting not only them, but their families, anyone who knows or cares about them, and the country as a whole. China is right, it right now is sitting back and laughing at us. Uh, I think it was Lenin that said that capitalism will sell the rope that we'll use to hang it. Uh, China is now selling the dope uh, that we're using to hang ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, they're get they're making money on us self-destructing. And I think if anybody doesn't really understand, you know, the pain that's involved with this, all you have to do is go on YouTube and just see family after family trying to make some sense of the loss of a loved one. It could be, you know, a teenager, it could be a husband, a wife, whatever it is. It, it really is just devastating families and people don't hear enough about it. And unfortunately, one thing that has fed into this is an aspect of American culture over the last 50 years. For the last 50 years, uh, the intelligentsia, you know, the media, the academy and all that have extolled the value of self-advancement and self-gratification and have belittled any notion of self-sacrifice to the point that we now would would see in a poll that came out last week that fewer than half of the people who call themselves Democrats would be willing to fight for this country if uh, the Russians invaded the United States, and only 60% of the Republicans said they would. That's shocking. And that's because we have lost any sense that there is something more important than ourselves. As the result, people uh, will use drugs just because it makes them feel good. The problem is, you know, it may start out making you feel good, but eventually it comes to own you and your life only gets worse. And people are not willing to make the sacrifice to give up that good feeling for the sake of the whole. I mean, uh, economists would say this is a terrible problem because everybody wants everybody else to make that sacrifice and that they can then free ride on the sacrifice that others are doing for the nation. The problem is we've lost a sense that sacrifice is noble and self-sacrifice is important and we should all do it in some form or other to try to advance the nation as a whole. Well, it really is an indictment of our secular society, right? We have moral relativism. When you become your own God, then you have to create whatever you're going to do to make you happy. And if it has to be you know, a synthetic opioid, 
then you do it, right? When God is not at the center of your life and your focus is you and and you have to manufacture your own happiness, right? We live in how many cities now, whether it's Portland, I mean, Denver's done it, right? They start decriminalizing drug after drug after drug because either, either one, they don't want to deal with it or two, they figure it's not a problem. But either way, it's a huge problem and city after city just keeps decriminalizing it. So people are like, whatever. Right. No, and and the problem starts at the top. Step back for a minute and look at the sort of people we have elected as president. The last person we elected as a president who was willing to fight in a war and put his life at risk for the nation as a whole is George H.W. Bush. Okay, Uh, from Clinton on up through uh, Biden. No president has been willing to make that sacrifice for the nation. If a president has been willing to make that sacrifice, he can go to the nation and say, you need to make a similar one. The problem is when you don't have a president that can point to any sacrifice he has been willing to make, he lacks the moral authority to try to persuade the nation to make a sacrifice. Now, you're, you're not making a sacrifice of giving your life by not taking drugs. What you're doing is you're sacrificing the short-term pleasure that drugs can bring because they overpower the pleasure center in the brain and essentially take it hostage. You need to continue to have that feeling oftentimes with some drugs in order just not to feel horrible uh, as a result of going through withdrawal rather than to continue to get the high. But if you don't have a public willing to make that sacrifice, uh, you're going to wind up with the problem we have now, where they demand more, not just of cannabis, but of other other drugs that be available. And you wind up at, with the result of you, a large number of people are now seeking party drugs and wind up dying because they're using fentanyl. Yeah, I've even read some articles, you know, all these states that are decriminalizing marijuana you know, Colorado, California. I mean, you know, it starts off with let's do the medical and you know where you're headed to recreational. But I'm seeing that people I'm reading articles of people mixing fentanyl with their marijuana just to get even more of a kick. I mean, it's just it's such a slippery slope and we don't hear enough about it. I guess my question and you moderated this panel uh, just recently. I know the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, was part of it. What what is what is going on on the federal level, if anything, to try to combat what's coming across our borders, and what's killing our people? Well, let me start out by saying what's not happening. <laughs> we know that fentanyl itself, uh, as well as the precursor chemicals, uh, largely go from China uh, to Mexico and then to the United States. Why? Because. China is letting Mexico do the smuggling, and Mexico has the established smuggling routes, uh, excuse me, routes for drugs like heroin, and as a result, Mexico is the perfect partner for all the fentanyl to come into the U.S. What the administration is not doing is trying to stop illegal immigration from Mexico. Why? For purely political reasons. Back early in the Obama administration, there was a book that was published that said the demographic trends favor 
the Democratic Party, that a large number of people, particularly the young and recent immigrants, will vote Democratic. And so the Biden administration figures that every illegal that comes in from Mexico is a future Democratic voter. And if they can't persuade people who are native born to vote Democratic, then they'll have to make more Democrats. And the way they do it is by letting people come in across the border. That's a purely political motive for what they're doing. The problem is nobody crosses the border without the knowledge and permission of the cartels. They have too much money at stake to just allow people to act as independent contractors. And they will not only traffic in drugs as well as traffic in human beings, they will require the people that come across the border to carry these drugs for them. As you mentioned, only a small amount of fentanyl is necessary to produce the euphoric effect that opioids are known for. So you can get a small amount across in a large number of people, and it's much better than trying to bring an entire truck across where you have it all in one container. The result being that if the president decided he was going to actually enforce the immigration laws, actually treat them like laws rather than really advice, uh, you would be doing something to stop the flow of fentanyl to the U.S. Now, am I saying it would it would bring it down to zero? No. Uh, we, we couldn't bring down the illegal transportation of heroin and other drugs to zero during all the time before fentanyl really exploded recently. But we can stop some amount of it. And we have to, because enforcement has to be one of the three legs of any response. We have to educate people. We have to enforce the laws. And we have to treat the people who wound up being addicted. If you don't have enforcement, you're ultimately not going to be very effective at treating them. Why? Because oftentimes only the fear of going to prison will persuade people to endure the treatment itself. Well, and we had one of your colleagues, Cully Stimson, on talking about how poor right enforcement is at this point, whether they're prosecutors. I mean, people are it's a revolving door. I mean, jails are empty and everything's skyrocketing. So it really has to be a plan and people need to make sure that they understand we need to stop it. We need to prosecute it. We need we need to help those who are struggling with the addiction to do just one part and ignore the rest. You're really just spitting in the ocean, aren't you? That's right. I mean, you, you, it's a three legged stool. You got to work on each part. And you also have to talk to people like they're adults, explain to them what's going on. Uh, for what it's worth, when I gave each of my boys the drug talk, I said the real bottom line problem with a lot of illegal drugs is not that they're bad for you, although they can kill you depending on what they are. The problem is they're too damn good for you. Okay, They engage the pleasure center of your brain and give you a euphoric feeling you've never had before. And you want that over and over again because it has essentially hijacked that portion of your brain. You are now no longer in control of what you're doing. The drug is. You know, that's one way to approach it. Uh, and we need people who have made sacrifices on their own to make this point clear. What sacrifice has, has Joe Biden, President Biden, ever made in his life? I'm not talking about the personal tragedies. Those aren't sacrifices. Okay, Those are tragedies that befall people. 
But what sacrifice has he ever made in his life that he can point to and say, I gave up X. I'm asking you to give up Y. Well, you know, he probably gave up one weekend in Delaware during his presidency. That might be the greatest sacrifice. And I'm not sure if he actually did that, but it could be. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's living in public housing, uh, which ain't half bad. Why he keeps going back to Delaware on the weekends is, is beyond me. Yeah, but I mean, your point is well taken, right? I mean, if we're not willing to sacrifice and we're willing, you know, just to let the status quo go, then we're going to end up where we belong, which is hell in a handbasket, right? I mean, the only sacrifice that we hear about is you need to sacrifice at the pump because of poor policy, not a sacrifice that really helps somebody. And again, you know, I watched before we did this interview, I watched YouTube after YouTube of families just devastated about what's going on. If you truly cared about the American people and the family, you would make this a top priority, wouldn't you? Yes. Let me make a, a religious point, uh, one that I think you'll understand. Um, I've always thought that the reason God came to humans as man in Jesus was to prove that he was going to make a tremendous sacrifice on behalf of everyone. That love is ultimately not Eros, but agape. He came down, lived a wonderful life, and then suffered unimaginable tortures and death. Why? Because he wanted to be able to have street cred. He wanted to be able to say to people, when I ask you to make a sacrifice, I know what I'm asking you because I did it myself. It's not just, I'm, you know, it's not so much that I'm here to, to cleanse, you know, the sin of Adam and Eve. It's I'm here to show you that I'm not asking you to do anything that I didn't do myself. Unfortunately, we don't hear that message and we don't see people extolling the virtues of self-sacrifice for others. If anything, nowadays, the intelligentsia says self-sacrifice is for chumps. Yeah, and that's and a true, terrible message to send out. Yeah, and true love is sacrifice. It's forgiveness, right? He did come down so he could relate to us. He lived the human experience. He did die for our sins and our salvation. But we have to repent, right? I mean, we have to admit when we've fallen down and try to fix things, not I've fallen down and I'm just going to wallow in my self-pity and then, you know, make drugs an everyday part of my life. He gets it. He solved, you know, the human experience and how devastating it can be and was crucified at, to your point, that, you know, he is where we will find joy and happiness. The, you know, the acronym JOY is Jesus, others, and yourself. It doesn't have anything to do with fentanyl or opioids or any of this type of thing. If you are trying to manufacture your own happiness, you're going to resort to artificial means because you don't are, are unwilling to embrace where true joy comes from. And we see it in our society, right? It's a secular society, as you mentioned earlier, right? It's you make it to the top, you do it. Everything is self-focused. And that is a recipe for disaster. Yes. Now, let me be clear also. I understand that there are people that will turn to drugs because they have an utterly miserable life. And yeah. they feel it's the only way they can get some joy. I understand that. And 
I feel sorry for people who are in that position. And there's a large number of people that are, you know, for them, their life is so horrible that the only options are either trying to give themselves a temporary respite or just end it. And the problem is both of those are bad choices. Uh, and neither one is something that you want to encourage people to do. Unfortunately, one of the messages that we have sent out over the last 50 years is that, you know, self-gratification is the summum bonum in life. And therefore, if drugs give it to you, knock yourself out. That only hurts an enormous number of people and may have killed hundreds of thousands of people in that same 50-year period. You mentioned earlier, right? A hundred, hundred thousand plus from April 2020 to April 2021. I mean, just imagine filling the Rose Bowl and every year you're killing people, but then you need more stadiums to fill just to show how many people you're killing, you're killing and or this drug is killing. And so it really is um, something people need to be aware of. People need to talk to their legislators about it. You know, it ought to be a topic when you're going to vote for somebody. Where do they stand on this? What are they going to do? Right. I mean, the people have to rise up. I mean, they have to be empowered or empower themselves. They need to take the bull by the horns, don't they? Yes. The American people need to make it clear that they've had enough and that they will only send uh, representatives to their city council, to their state legislatures, to the federal legislature, who are willing to do something to address this problem, even if it costs those representatives politically. Uh, I mean, the idea that 100,000 deaths isn't enough to cause the president to do something at the border is should be shocking and scandalous. Unfortunately, it's not. But what does that tell you about him? It says all the times he says, for example, that he put all these COVID mandates in is because he's trying to save lives. Well, there's another way you can save lives. In his State of the Union speech not long ago, he, he mentioned 100,000 empty chairs around tables at home from people who've died from COVID. Well, guess what? There's another 100,000 empty chairs from people who have OD'd on fentanyl, and you're not doing anything about that, Mr. President. So I ask, as I've done twice before, how many people have to die, Mr. President, before you just stop playing a matador defense at the border and enforce the law? Paul, appreciate it. I can't believe time went this fast. How can people uh, track kind of what you're doing and follow you? Two ways. One is to go to the Heritage website where Heritage publishes some of my work. And the other is to go to SSRN, the Social Science Research Network. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.